This episode of Commentary, Trek Stars, is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hi, this is Robert Duncan McNeil, also known as Tom Paris from Star Trek Voyager. You're listening to Trek FM. Hello and welcome to Season 3, Episode 23 of Commentary, Trek Stars, a show which deals with the work of Star Trek creators outside of Star Trek. I'm Mike. I'm Max. And today we are going to be wrapping up our look at Cliff Bowl as a director on the X-Files. Wrapping it up? Yep. Now, Cliff Bowl, of course, as we have talked about, was uh, a director on... Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager. He directed more episodes of Next Generation than anyone else in history, including The Best of Both Worlds, Parts 1 and 2. And in addition to that, he directed four episodes of The X-Files, which is what our series was focusing on. And um, let's just get into that, shall we? Let's get into it. All right. Get all the way into it. So the first episode that Bull directed came in the fourth season of the X-Files, and that was Small Potatoes. Yeah. Uh, Small Potatoes was written by Vince Gilligan, who, of course, would go on to create Breaking Bad. Yeah, and make it the best show on TV. Yeah, I still haven't seen it. I really need to. So, okay, so Breaking Bad something to check out. But Cliff Bull didn't have anything to do with Breaking Bad. Um, but he did have something to do with uh, Small Potatoes, which was the first episode that he directed mm-hmm. in the X-Files. Uh, now, this was the episode where people in a small town were having babies born with tails. Mm-hmm. And Mulder and Scully are investigating why that's occurring. And um, it's revealed that the reason is because uh, there is a shapeshifter with a tail in town who's going around uh, seducing women uh, and impregnating them. Yep. And uh, the results are babies with tails. Seducing is kind of well, euphemistic because at least in, in a couple instances it is technically rape. Yes. So what did you think about Small Potatoes? Uh, Small Potatoes is a fun episode. It's, um, it's, it's a good Mother and Scully episode. They're some of the best... Like, like the best episodes that you know, Cliff Bull directed were sort of silly and funny, and Vince Gilligan was really good about Mulder and Scully episodes. And they always tended to be kind of funny, but still really good. Mm-hmm. And uh, Small Potatoes is no exception. It's not the best one, but that's because like, they get better. Yeah. At the time, it was... Really high up there. Yeah, yeah. The shapeshifter who can shift who can shift his entire shape, but not mm-hmm. that pesky tail. Well, he could shift his shape. He could shift the shape of the tail, but when he was relaxed and himself, yeah, he he still had a a scar. But he couldn't. I mean, it would take a lot of effort. But it wasn't wasn't it more Wouldn't like it a take a lot of effort to do the entire body. Yeah, I agree that that this is a really good episode. Uh, 
It's one of the the funnier episodes from you know the earlier seasons. There there were you know like a few that they did every year, and you know we talked about how uh, every time that one of those would come up, it was sort of like a little treat because they did a really good job with that. You know, mm-hmm. most of the time the show was serious, but when they decided to uh, dip their toes into comedic waters, it usually ended up uh, pretty pretty well, and. I think what you're seeing here is um, people like Vince Gilligan. They're trying to see how far they can go. And I think every time that, that they they push the envelope and it works, then the next time out they decide to push it just a little bit more and see what happens then. And uh, that kind of leads to the second Cliff Bowl-Vince Gilligan collaboration, which was Bad Blood. Yeah. With a with a Wilson brother, yes, uh, Luke Wilson, Charlie's Angels, Luke Wilson. So, can you give a a, a plot synopsis for Bad, Bad Blood? Sure. There's some vampires in a small town. One of them's killing people. Yes, one of them's killing people, and but because he's really into it, he's, he like he's way too into being a vampire. Right, vampires is as we we learn are not the typical Anne Rice type of uh, thing that we're used to. They're actually... Um, Rubbish. They're just, they're just normal They're normal just not people. very impressive. Yeah, they're just normal people doing yeah, their they're thing. Basically, they're basically just like addicts. Yeah, and some, and some people, some vampires take it a little too far. Yeah, when you get really into the lifestyle mm-hmm. of your addiction, like it's just kind of pretentious. Yeah. Like it's like wannabe edgy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, I get you need to drink blood to survive, but you you don't got to wear fangs, man. Mm-hmm. You're making us all look bad. Yeah. And uh, the way that the episode is kind of told is in flashback, and we see uh, the same story from a couple different perspectives. First, uh, Scully and then Mulder, right? Yeah, it's kind of in flashback. Mm-hmm. It's also kind of not like it. It, well, sort of, it, it catches it. up. Yeah, yeah. At a certain point, but it, yeah, it, there's there's a sequence where they where they have to get their story straight because it looks like Mulder has killed a dude, mm-hmm. and uh, like Scully tells her side and Mulder tells his side, and um, it's it's very 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 funny. But luckily for the you know audience, they don't retell the same intervals so much. Mm-hmm. There's like one scene where they retell the same interval of time, but afterwards it kind of trades off. Yeah, which is good. Yeah, well, as they go in their separate ways, you know, you see yeah. what Scully was doing on her adventure and what Mulder was doing on his. Yeah, and the end result was uh, quite humorous. Uh, they, like, like we were saying, you know, they pushed the envelope even further than they had before with yeah, things like the small, small the way potatoes. And uh, what what you ended up with was almost screwball comedy, but only only in the sense like like of compare like comparatively like if if this was like a fairly normal like like tonal scenario for the show, you wouldn't call it a screwball comedy. Yeah, if it was an episode of you know Community, it wouldn't you wouldn't really think twice about it no if it was an episode of community you would think that they went really really dark for no reason yeah it's like bad blood is funny but it doesn't break the reality of the show in any way mm-hmm. like the the show is still just as plausible and realistic the humor comes from 
comes entirely from the relationship between Mulder and Scully. Like, the jokes aren't in the situations. The jokes are in them. Yeah, but the jokes are also, I mean, one of the the things that they have to kind of rely on is that uh, they are telling stories. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, a presentation of what actually happened. It's it's an interpretation um, by someone who might have a certain agenda. And as a result, you can make that over-the-top and humorous um, in a way that you probably couldn't um, if you were just telling it straight. I'm just saying screwball comedy is a stretch. Okay. The show, it's still, it's still grounded in the reality of the series. Mm-hmm. The, the, the humor comes from the... Like essentially, the reality—the humor comes from the reality of the situation and the characters. The reality isn't broken in order to make it more funny. It, it's just looked at with a character. Mm-hmm. So, what were your thoughts on on Bad Blood? I love Bad Blood. It's one of my favorite episodes of the show. I've got a lot of favorite episodes of the X Files, but Bad Blood is one that, well, when when I started up the X Files when it dropped on netflix this was a while ago but uh uh, my fiance emily was watching it with me and every once in a while i would come home and she'd have watched an episode and when bad blood was a few episodes away i said you can't watch any while i'm gone i have to be there for that Mm -hmm. because i just i just can't not not watch that well i can't skip that one that's not one of the ones i can deal with not seeing Mm-hmm. There are episodes I can deal with not seeing, even really good episodes. Yeah, but there are, there are episodes that uh, that I have to watch because I, I I couldn't bear to miss it. Yeah, yeah. We we talked last week about how, um, or not last week, but when we were covering this show and how this is an episode which kind of sneaks up on people in terms of its quality yeah. uh, because I think just kind of when it when it aired for one thing. Basically, you know? dead center in the series, and and right before the movie, and you know everyone was paying attention to this thing over here, and no one really sort of noticed what was going on on this side, and it just kind of snuck in there. Whereas, yeah. like things like Jose Chung's from Outer Space had been around for a while and had garnered a lot of uh, praise. This one fell through the cracks initially. Now, as we've talked about, you know, it, it is definitely considered to be a fan favorite and one of the best episodes of the series. And it's even got the highest rating on Geos. So I'm, I'm impressed by that. That shows a great deal of maturity that they aren't just, that people aren't just voting on the, the biggest or most explosive or the one with the most aliens mm-hmm. on screen. So it shows somebody, that people, these people were thinking. Mm-hmm. They were they were they were thoughtful with their voting, and that makes sense. That makes that makes total sense because there is sort of like a weird paradox of the X Files fandom. There's a huge constellation of different archetypes of X Files fans, and you'll find fans who just really do not care about the funny episodes mm-hmm. and have no interest in Mulder and Scully, and they're purely for the for the the epic alien government conspiracy yeah. narrative. Um, I didn't understand those people. Those people are weird. Yeah, for me, it's the whole package. You know, I love the government conspiracy, but I love the the humorous episodes, and I love the the Mulder and Scully character driven episodes too. There's a war. Pick a side. You no, know, the the one the side that I will uh, fight against is the typical monster of the week episode. Those tend to get tedious 
after a while. Well, I am on that side. I'm on the side of, of more weird explorations. So some of the Monster of the Week episodes were the most interesting. And plenty of them. The second, like, this was like the last, like, normal episode of the series before the finale finale is the episode where um, freaking Ben Linus can summon the Brady Bunch mm-hmm. with his mind powers. Yeah. That is an amazing episode. That is an unbelievably good episode. But you could say that falls into the humorous category, too. You could, but it's still an incredible episode. It's a Monster of the Week episode, but it's not a monster. And it's basically, like, it, it is the highest stakes thing that they've ever dealt with in the Monster of the Week episode. Like, there's a point in the episode where they're like, everything changes now. The entire world is going to change now because of what we're doing right now. And then at the end of they're like, uh, no, because of love, I guess? Compassion? Yeah, let's go with compassion. Let's, let's, let's not change the world. Because it would be kind of mean. Yeah, I mean, that to me doesn't really count as what I'm talking about. I'm thinking of the sort of typical Monster of the Week shows, which would take up the bulk of the thing. There were plenty of times where they had sort of like event shows, whether it was because they were comedy episodes or because they had some sort of gimmick. There were a lot of episodes with gimmicks, um, which usually ended up working out pretty well. You know, you would think that any time they did that, you'd be like, ugh. There's, there's tons of really good Monster of the Week episodes. Some of them are funny. Some of them aren't. It doesn't really matter. The but, show is still exploring weird things. And some of them were the, were the most interesting things those years. Some some of them are interesting. Some of them do work, you know, as their, kind of their own thing. But I think usually, uh, like, what happens is it, it falls into a sort of uh, standard pattern. And... Um, it it just feels like they're treading water. I would say that's true for some episodes in the like the first two seasons, but that show became really smart. The Monster of the Week episodes toward the end were basically the best hours on TV probably that year. Some some were some weren't. But our next episode is one of those mm-hmm. Monster of the Weeks, uh, and that is Chimera. Yeah, this is not a great episode. No. But that, that's that's the trouble with the X-Files. The episodes that are really good are the best mm-hmm. you'll get. And it's hard to judge this episode outside of the X-Files because it's very X-Files-y. Yes. But it's, uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't compare to some of the better episodes. Basically any of the episodes surrounding it in this, in this season. Uh, would you like to give kind of a synopsis of this? There's some people being killed in a small town. Also, mirrors are being broken, and they're like crows, I guess. And it turns out that it's because this woman's husband's cheating on her. So she kills people. Yeah, now, we we were talking uh, in that episode about whether or not uh, there was a supernatural element at play, and, and you were saying that there's not... Well, I'm saying that it's fuzzy. Okay. And it would be easy to argue that there isn't one. Because I, I really think that there is something going on, the way that it's done and everything like that. Um, I, I do think that that was the intention, that there is something supernatural at work. There is a transformation. I d- do not think that this is a good episode. I think this is the, the worst episode of the four that uh, Cliff Bowl directed oh, yeah. by far. Sure. Because the other ones were all quite good. But this is also the one that wasn't written by Vince Gilligan. 
it, it is really kind of paint by the numbers. You, you do have uh, the there stuff. are some weird numbers in there, though. There, there are a few weird numbers. Um, it, it is kind of weird that they split up Mulder and Scully and basically made it a Mulder ep- episode. Yeah, like by what himself. is this, season two? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Scully was, you know, in one location for the entire time. Yeah, I do like Scully's storyline. Yeah, where she starts a band called Scully and the Hookers. Right. But I do think that it was minimal. You know? There's not much to uh, to go on there. Oh, well, that's just a fact. There's there's like five minutes of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, if we hung out with Scully for the entire episode on her stakeout, I honestly, I would watch. I would watch 45 minutes oh, yeah, of Gillian Anderson eating Fritos looking through a telescope at hookers. That could that could be you know the, one of their gimmick episodes. You know, like there was one episode of Mad About You, which was directed by I can't remember if it was directed by Helen Hunt or her dad. I think it was directed by her dad. It was all done in one shot. Yeah. And the whole thing is they were like it was like after they had had their kid and they were sitting outside of the bedroom waiting for the kid to cry himself to sleep. Yeah. And it was like really cool. It's like you could do that with Scully. Where she's, you know, make it make it the rear window episode. Yeah, it's not as impressive when your show is a like a, a three camera sitcom and you're on a stage to do a one shot episode. Yeah, not, not quite as impressive. But the uh, but yeah, the, like watching, I would watch Scully for an hour. But that's because I'm, uh, you know, by this point in the show, I'm I I would be okay if somebody said we're gonna do seven different series of X Files. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we'll still do the normal episodes, but uh, six other series will basically just follow these characters in their day to day lives. Yeah, in real time. Mm-hmm. I would TiVo those. Really, you wouldn't watch them live? How would you watch all six of them live? What do they all air at the same time? Yes, twenty-four hours a day. Okay, okay, gotcha. I mean, I'm not going to do the supervillain thing and have seven screens so no. I can watch all of them at once because that's really expensive. But if somebody gave me those screens, I would totally do that. Well, I mean, that's one of the great things about the X-Files is that uh, even though it was sort of known as being the Mulder and Scully show and they were even the only two people in the credits up until things got weird and some people decided to leave for half a season and whatever. Some people. Yeah. Who shall not be named David Duchovny. (laughs) Aside from that, there was always a very rich um, supporting cast. Oh, yeah. In some places, they really lucked out by having... Like accident, sort of like by accident, picked the guy who would end up being the spoking man, right? And it turned out that he was really good. Mm-hmm. That was luck. And Cliff Bull's final episode of the X Files uh, focused on three of the most beloved supporting characters of the X Files, and the Lone Gunman. Yeah, the episode in which they die horribly. Now, the that episode where the Lone Gunman die horribly is called Jump the Shark. Which we never actually explained. I guess most people know what jump the shark means at this point, right? Yes. But for those people who don't, jump... Jump the shark means that that's the episode in which a character literally jumps over an actual shark. (laughs) That's not what it it means. It happens a surprising number of times in many different TV shows. It happens in Happy Days. It happens in Arrested Development. I'm out. Okay. I got I, no more. I think probably the Simpsons. Wait, I think there's an episode of Archer where they do that. I wouldn't be surprised if the Simpsons did it too. No. But um, 
Yeah, uh, the, the idea is basically there was an episode of Happy Days in which they what, go to Hawaii and... Uh, Just to explain it? I think, and Fonzie jumps over a shark. There's, he's surfing. He's surfing and he He's surfing and the people the on the beach are like, there's a shark! Mm-hmm. Fonzie's going to be eaten by that shark! And then there's a shot of him jumping over the shark. And people consider that to be the moment at which Happy Days took a turn... And started to become terrible. That is that is, that is the that is the, the demarcation point that people have decided is is the dividing line between good and bad, as though that somehow bears any logical significance of any kind. Like that, like the concept of jumping the shark is nonsense. But, but it's 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 a fun thing. There was a, I mean, the guys who created it, they wrote a book and everything, created the idea. Um, yes. And it just sort of took off. So, like, for example, you could say that the original series jumped the shark with Assignment Earth. I'm not necessarily sure I would say that, but you could say that. You know, when. So, when now that you've said on the record that definitely what happened is that yeah. Star Trek stopped being good at Assignment Earth. I meant the original series. Now that you've series. said that conclusively, that you definitely believe that. The original series. Yeah. Season, yeah. Everything in season three was terrible, and that's what your that's your argument. Uh, season, I think that's kind of unfair. Okay, well, whatever. But yes, when when they decided to make the finale of their show a pilot for another show that didn't get picked up, and then season three, you know, is what it is. You could say Assignment Earth was when Star Trek jumped the shark. Just to give you an example, you could do that. <clears throat> so to name and Mike has. So to name the episode where the lone gunman die, jump the shark, is obviously a joke on the part of the writers. Um, In response to probably what every fan was going to say on the internet shortly after this episode had aired. Um, I think that that's definitely part of the humor. Mm -hmm. But I think that, that, that most fans, by this point in the show, saw that title... And thought you're a little late. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, like, I and I say, don't agree with it. I think season eight is one of the best series, seasons of that show. Well, you know, I mean, you could say like, where it's not even necessarily a show when the show becomes bad, but when it takes a turn and becomes something worse than it had been. Yes. Yeah. And I, I, I don't agree that that's the case with the X Files. Well, like, probably most people would say that the X-Files jumped the shark when Mulder left. Yeah, I I think that's completely nuts. Yeah, okay. Um, and that's because they're, they're basically just like obsessed with the format the show is like Mulder and Scully, yeah. Mulder and Scully. Sure. And, and, you know, as people, we are going to live for a certain interval of time and at some point things are going to have to change. Yeah. And if we are, re- if we reject change, if we say like, you know, no, no new dad... My mom can't marry this guy, because then my family will have jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. You have to say to those people, what you are saying is stupid, and you need to recognize that the world transitions sometimes, yeah. and it's okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I would say that the X-Files jumped the shark. I like most of the series, but I would say that it jumped the shark uh, at the second episode of season six after the movie when they didn't 
deal with the third episode after Look, season like, six. I get it. You've been and holding on to this grudge it. since the 90s. It's just, it's just a thing. It's but like, when you've been holding on to a grudge since the 90s. You could you could change the show and make it something, you know, um, much, much cooler than it had been. But instead, they just went back to their basic old formula. And I agree. I would have loved to see Mulder teaching inner city kids to play basketball. Yeah. That would have been a cool spinoff. Yeah. And you know, like he, you know, teaches inner city inner city kids to play basketball, and you know, hunts aliens mm-hmm. it, during the weekends, during his off hours. And he keeps and he brings kids from the youth center along with him. Yeah. And Scully shows up every once in a while. She owns a bar now. Kind of like Baywatch Nights. God, this is so, this sounds rad. You could call it X Files Nights. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, maybe maybe they'll do that. You know, Amazon. Maybe they'll they'll pick it up. Sounds so cool. So, Gil- Mo- Gilligan. <laughs> so, Jump the Shark was uh, basically designed as a finale for the Lone Gunman series, yeah. which uh, ended prematurely. And uh, it does a pretty good job of wrapping up the character beats. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. You, you you like the episode on the whole? There there the. I have significant problems with this episode. There's plenty in it that's really good, but uh, but I I stand by my feeling that they that the deaths that they they experienced are significantly more upsetting than they needed to be. Okay, and I think maybe that would have been true if they chose to like show those deaths, but that doesn't that doesn't make things better or worse. Well, I think I think it does in in, in your perception of uh, well, at least in my perception of of the show. So, I don't get that. Uh, yeah, and and I, I I do think that it is a really good episode. Uh, another one which you know at first I didn't really uh, respond to very favorably when it initially aired, but which I've since come to. I don't think you love. watched it when it initially. Aired. I didn't watch it when it initially aired, but I mean when I initially saw it. Yeah. But on the whole, I do think that it is a really good episode and a good uh, send off for those three characters. So we have Small Potatoes, mm-hmm. Bad Blood, Chimera, and Jump the Shark. Mm-hmm. Um, are we pretty much in agreement that um, Bad Blood is the best, Chimera is the worst? Yes. So probably Bad Blood, Small Potatoes, Jump the Shark, and Chimera. That's probably the order we would place them in. in sure. If if this was an SAT question, yes. Yeah. That's the correct order. Okay. <laughs> But on the whole, what do you think about uh, Cliff Bowles' contribution to the X-Files? Well, it's obviously very positive, but quantifying it is impossible. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a moving target that's also constantly changing its shape. So, I don't know. But his involvement was positive because he, he's apparently some kind of, you know, really talented director who can solve problems on the fly. And that's pretty awesome. I still don't understand how they knew he was going to be good at this. I still don't get it. They're, the ability of the producers to recognize Cliff Bowl's ability to do these episodes is miraculous to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think he, his work on Next Generation in particular was obviously very good. You look at things like uh, Best of Both Worlds and it's very impressive. However, um, the style of next generation is such that it doesn't really allow for a a lot of 
creativity on the part of the the directors in the the typical sense. And I think that X Files is much more of a uh, director. Do you want to burn this bridge? No, just say that all the directors are forced to direct terribly. I'm not saying they're forced. Let's to Let's burn this terribly. bridge before it crushes us. I'm saying that there's a a very uh, distinct and um, straightforward and by the number style, which next gen era Star Trek is uh, produced with, and. X-Files, that's not really the case. X-Files, there was a lot more room for experimentation and a lot more room for uh, trying to uh, do things that were unique to just that one episode, I guess. And by doing that, it allows the director to do a lot more, to put their own personal stamp on the show. And what we're seeing here through these X-Files episodes, I think, is that Cliff Bowles got a really cool stamp. You know? Yeah, it's really got, like, cartoons and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I was very impressed. You know, it, it's not... You don't really think of Bowl as an, an X-Files episode, but looking at, you know, all of his work in, in rapid succession uh, really kind of uh, points to his... Uh, quality as a, as a filmmaker well sure it's it's difficult to quantify somebody's um somebody's directorial abilities based on their work on a star trek series because so much of it is determined by the essentially the production landscape and the reality that's already there mm-hmm. and inexplicably the x-files was actually pretty good about letting people do things creatively and solve problems their way yeah which results in Wildly inconsistent sure. <laughs> styles and uh, quality levels. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, there are there 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 are episodes of, of of that show that are absolutely terrible all the way to the end, mm-hmm. and there are episodes of that show that are the best thing on TV. Period. Yeah. Well, it was fun talking about Cliff Bull's work on the X Files today, but that's not all we're talking about here on Trek FM. So here's a taste of what you may have missed elsewhere on the network. Previously on Trek.fm, Standard Orbit. Montgomery Scott. It's really just there to tell a story that they couldn't tell with Kirk or Spock or McCoy. This is true. An episode where Kirk is framed for the murder of a hooker would be... Right. Awesome. Completely different. It would be awesome, but... Earl Grey. Ships of TNG Part 2. Commander Riker, why would you protect the inferior <laughs> ship? I want its treasure. I want the other ship. Darren, how long have you been keeping that one in your pocket? You yeah, I like tell that. Us. That was good. Do a Ferengi. <laughs> the ready room. Scientific method. She tells the the the, guy, the woman that comes on the bridge, and she's like, "Well, it doesn't, you know, it it doesn't matter to me. I'm going to drive into these stars. It's going to be great. Like it's like <laughs> I'm just like the orb." Till death do us part. His are, are, are very quizzical in nature. They they're of the scientist. They're of the somebody who who is willing to accept. Okay, where what is this reality? What's going on? She's just all like, tell me what to do right now. You know, like she, right. She, there's nothing spiritual about her. To the journey. One versus doctor's orders. I was working full-time on top of being a full-time student, and I... Listen, I don't, I don't want to hear your excuses, okay? I don't want to hear them. <laughs> like, 
like life was happening and a great man once told me if something's important to you you make the time warp five undeveloped enterprise stories but the idea here is that Porthos would become intelligent and would be the only member of the crew capable of communicating with a canine alien. So even Hoshi apparently couldn't figure out this dog language. Commentary, Trek stars. Fifth Bull, Shimera. I, I loved, I'd love to see an X-Files one shot with Scully and, and the hookers. With you know? Scully and the Hookers? Yeah. That's a great name for a band. Call it Scully and the Hookers. <laughs> Melodic Treks. Five musical favorites. You know, I don't completely hate the opening theme. I, I just really think that Archer's theme should be the opening credits. Continuing mission. Star Trek Axelar with Alec Peters. That's what we posit. We say it makes sense that at this point, we know it's from from TOS. They're not integrated, so our crews are not integrated. And, and we make a point of that. We don't avoid it. We make a point of it. And in Prelude to Axanar, they talk about that. Literary Treks. IDW Alien Spotlight, Part 1. Well, Chris, it's okay, because they can see the Romulans from their house. That's right. So... From space, you know, you betcha. You know, that's okay. I can see the Romulans from my uh, from my starship. It's gonna be fine. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the daily Trek talk. We have new shows for you every day. We've got so many shows. It's and there's new it's shows. It's become ridiculous to list them all. Yeah, there's like continuing mission now. Don't list them. All. I just said all you right. don't list them. But you can find them on iTunes on our new artist page which is pretty cool yes or stitcher which is how i usually listen to new episodes tune in windows phone xbox zune or you can stream and download files from the website just visit trek.fm slash pd for podcast directory to get all the links so chris carter you know he created the x files and um that's what uh, i heard yeah but vince gilligan you know obviously did a lot of stuff and uh gilligan went on to have have a lot of success over there on the uh amc network so amc they're going back to to the wells some more back to the x files well and they're gonna uh, grab some chris carter and get him to do some uh some work for them chris carter is developing a, a new show he's already got one on amazon called the after i don't know if you watched the pilot for that did you no okay i didn't watch it either um but uh he's got another show on amc coming up yeah called area 51 which is based on a book by Annie Jacobson called Area 51, an uncensored history of America's top secret military base. And, you know, you can get this book for free on audible.com since you're a listener to commentary Trek stars. So you can listen to the book and be all ready for when the new series comes out. Yeah. Here's a, uh, a description of the book on Audible. Myths and hypotheses about Area 51 have long abounded thanks to the intense secrecy enveloping it. Some claim it is home to aliens, underground tunnel systems, and nuclear facilities. Others believe that the lunar landing was filmed there. The prevalence of these rumors stems from the fact that no credible insider has ever divulged the truth about his time inside the base. It's because what's happening in there is incredible. 
Yeah. Because they're aliens or wizards or something. Who cares? Perhaps. But no one has done it. No. we uh, No. Because they, they, if they tell the truth, they will, it will not be credible. No credible witness. Because what they've seen is incredible. Right. They've got dragons in there yeah. that fly flying saucers. Yeah. So And also they have like they've made buddy cop movies with care bears. Like mm-hmm. it's totally crazy over there. Right. That's why no one is believed when they tell the truth about Area fifty one. Until now. Yeah. Thank you for not letting me get that last sentence out there. <laughs> Audible is a great way for you to read all of the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have the time for. Audible is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers, Audible has something for everyone. As a Trek.fm listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic books you've yet to read or that latest novel from your favorite author as well. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm and we thank you and Audible for supporting commentary, Trek stars, and trek.fm. As always, you can find us right here on Trek.fm, where we do this show each and every week. We also are on CommentaryTrackStars.com, where we do Commentary Trackstars off-topic each and every week. And uh, I'm on Trek.fm as well, doing uh, Standard Orbit with Drew each and every week. Mm-hmm. And you can also find us on Twitter at ComTrackStars or email us at ComTrackStars at gmail.com or post a review on iTunes. We've got one iTunes review, and it's from Charlene, you know, and, and she says nice things about us. But, I mean, can we believe her? No. No. Conspiracy, right? Conspiracy. She could have one of them little uh, bugs in her neck. Right. There you go. I guess. I was going the X-Files route, but okay. That was directed by Cliff Bowl too, right? So it's all good. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, go ahead over there. Go on to the iTunes and, and uh, tell us what you think. Yeah. Yeah, you can Check out that. that new cool artist page. It's cool. It's got, like, cool graphics and stuff. We're also in several Where's Waldo books. Mm-hmm. We are super hard to find. Yep. So that's it for Cliff Bowl. We will be back next week with a one-shot episode where we discuss the work of Rick Berman in Star Trek. 